Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. Again, uh take it up with the advertisement department. But today was ugly sweater day. Uh, and so some of you participated. So thanks for being a part of that. Again, uh, my wife, she threw all of our ugly sweaters out. So last night I'm having to run to make a, a pit stop at Walmart. And this is the best that I could do. So again, nevertheless, yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's about, well, it's, it's just kind of eating me up. But so anyways, Merry Christmas. Amen. Also, just want to make you aware of the fact that you're taking pictures, man. Uh, watch it now. <laughs> but also, uh, you heard that we're going to be having our Christmas service or Christmas Eve service. It's at 6 o'clock, and it's just simply a one-hour family service in and out. But again, it's just going to be a good opportunity for us to worship together. And again, just come together as a church family. We'll have a candlelight service. And so again, I just invite you to come out. Invite somebody to come with you. And then again, we'll let you go and just be able to experience Christmas on Christmas Day with the family with no pressure of having to get out and or feeling pressure of not you know being in church so again we want you to spend time with family on Christmas Day because family is what it's all about and again celebrating Jesus amen amen well hey I want to get into the word this morning just uh, stir some things up on the inside of us concerning the season that we're in and if you recall for the last few weeks we've been talking about the season of Christmas uh, again, we've not really been having Christmas messages per se, but again, there's something about the Christmas season that as we get in this time of year, there's just something palatable, something tangible. We can actually experience and feel the presence of God. Many people might say, I don't necessarily know what I'm feeling, but there's just something that you feel in the air at Christmas time. And again, it's because so many people are acting like their creator. Again, God being a God of love, being a giver, that's what we end up doing during this Christmas season. And obviously, again, we begin to experience the presence of God during this time. But as we've been looking at some different things concerning the Christmas season, I believe as we examine the story of Christmas, there are some things that are pertinent and really parallel the times that we're living in right now. If you recall last week, we talked about the fact that the wise men were seeking to find Jesus. And why were they seeking to find Jesus? Because there was a move of God that was coming to the earth. 
They had been hearing about it, been hearing about it, hearing about it. And now Jesus came. There was the expression of God's love, heaven coming to earth. And they wanted to experience a move of God. And so once again, if you think about it, Jesus is coming again very soon. The Bible tells us concerning the times in which we're living, it's, it's on the headline news just about every single night. And again, you don't see it in the storyline, but this is what the translation is. Jesus is coming soon. Amen. And so therefore, wise men were looking for Jesus at the Christmas season. But there is a second Christmas that's coming when Jesus is coming to the earth again. And he's coming to take out his church. So in other words, wise men were looking for Jesus at the first Christmas. On the second Christmas, Jesus is looking for wise men. Amen. He's looking for men that are waiting and looking and wanting to experience heaven on earth, experiencing a move of God. And when we say a move of God, what that simply means, and again, I know when we, we hear those things, we're like, oh, you know, they're getting weird. They're the weird church. You know, they talk about moves of God. No, a move of God is just the tangibility of who God is and having the ability to experience him. And once again, I don't know why people have this idea that God never wanted us to experience him. As though it, it, he's afar off. And there are a lot of preachers, a lot of churches, a lot of Christian people that go through life thinking that one day I'll experience heaven and then it begins. No, it begins now. Eternity begins the moment you receive Jesus. And here's the thing. This earth, this earth is nothing more than school for when we get to heaven. And therefore, if you don't graduate or if you don't go through school and, and begin to grow and learn while you're here, in school, uh, or here on the earth, you're going to have to go to school when you get up in heaven. In fact, we're all going to be in school learning at some kind of, in some kind of form or fashion. I mean, the Apostle Paul, he might have a connect group, you know, over at his house, you know, and so you might be invited to go over there. Maybe Moses has a little Bible study over here and you get to go to Moses' house. There's going to be constant teaching and growing as we get to heaven. But listen, God wants us to experience heaven here on earth. We ought not get to heaven and thinking, dear God, isn't this amazing? He wants us to experience heaven on earth. He doesn't want us to get to heaven and say, hey, good to meet you, Jesus. He wants us to know Jesus right now. And God is not trying to hide himself from us. He's doing everything that he can to reveal himself to us. Can somebody say amen? God wants us to experience him. And so, as there was a move of God in the earth at the time of Christmas or that first Christmas, there's a move of God that is taking place right now. God's moving. And if you'll purpose to step in, to jump in, you'll experience God's best during this time. Now, we can learn some things in terms of what can help us experience Him. Or what is it that causes us to not experience Him? Let's again look at the Christmas story or what we shared last week. And I want to draw your attention, first of all, to Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And it says, the wise men asked the question, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Notice what their intent was. They were looking for Jesus. And it says, we want to know where he is so that we can worship him. 
And the next we see over in verse 3, it says, Now when Herod, the king, heard of this, it says that he was troubled, and so was all of Jerusalem with him. And he inquired, where is the Christ and where is he born? Did you notice that both the wise men and Herod were inquiring of where Jesus' whereabouts was? And not just Herod himself, all of Jerusalem, the people that he led, they had a stirring and a knowing and there was talk going on. Who is this Christ that is coming? But nevertheless, there were several people that were looking for Jesus. What were they looking for? Well, we said last week that the Christ simply means this. It means the anointed one and his anointing. The anointing destroys the yoke and it removes the burden. So there were those that were looking for a visitation. The wise men were looking for a visitation from heaven. Not only that, the Bible says that they said, the prophet said, that he would be a ruler and he would be a shepherd unto us. Now once again, the shepherds and the, or excuse me, the wise men and Herod were looking for the same thing. They were looking for the anointed one. They were looking for a ruler. They were looking for a shepherd. But even though they were looking for the same thing, they did not place the same value on the thing that they were looking for. Did you hear what I said? They were looking for the exact same thing, but the value that they placed on the thing they were looking for was not the same. What about the wise men? What were they looking for? They were looking for, again, heaven coming to earth. They were looking for an invasion from heaven. They were looking to submit themselves to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They were looking to find the Christ that had a, and carried an anointing upon him that would destroy the yokes and remove the burdens in their lives. They were looking to experience the blessing of Jesus. But now Herod, it says that upon him hearing and seeking after the Christ, it says that he and all of Jerusalem were troubled. Now, when I look this up in the Hebrew concerning what troubled means, here's what it means. It says that it causes one an inward commotion. It takes away the calmness of mind. They were disquieted within themselves. It is to make restless and to strike one's spirit with fear and dread. Are you seeing the difference here? In other words, the wise men were eagerly anticipating it because they knew that heaven had come to earth and it was going to change the landscape of their life. And it says that Herod also sought to find him why? Because he saw Jesus as a threat that would change the landscape of his life. And it brought about fear. It brought disheartment. They lost their peace because they did not value the thing, or I should say the same thing that they were looking for, they did not value as the same. Are you tracking with me? Everyone has a value system. And what you value will be what motivates you. I said whatever you value will be the thing that motivates you in life. 
So my question for you this morning, as we are celebrating the Christmas season, I said to you that as we get into the Christmas season, it seems as though everybody kind of goes into a, uh, a, a hibernation mode and just waits till the end of the year and waits till the new year ramps back up. But I'm believing that we as a church, we as a people, we're not laying down. We're getting stirred up and allowing ourselves to be moved by God as the move of God visits our home, our house, our families, and our church. Amen. So in this Christmas season, I want to ask you the question, what do you value? When it comes to this Jesus, this anointed one, that's come to destroy the yoke, to remove the burdens, this Jesus, that's Jesus that came to bring heaven to earth, how do you value him? Do you see him as a blessing to your life or do you see him as a threat? Now you might say, well, dear God, we're all Christians here. Why in the world would I see Jesus as a threat? Herod saw Jesus as a threat that was going to disrupt his lifestyle. And many people that say, I want to receive Jesus into my heart. I want to go to heaven. I want to know that I've got my ticket punched. But they see Jesus as a threat to disrupt their livelihood. How many of you understand that God never came to earth to make your life hard or to make it worse than it was? He came to make it better so that you might have life and life more abundantly. And again, we said that the definition is in quality and in quantity. Amen. Come on, somebody. If you're a child of God, if you've received Jesus and if you've been in this church for any length of time, it's about time that we understand that Jesus came to give us life in quality and quantity. And let's start living like we believe that we serve a good God. I mean, God is not trying to beat you up, knock you down, or teach you a thing or two just so that you can be humble. Man, he wants you to be so proud in the God that you serve. Amen. Man, God has blessed me with so many different things. It's, it's fun and it's enjoyable to tell people, man, God did that for me. Man, I couldn't do this on my own, man. God did that for me. Amen. I was telling somebody about my wife the other day. I'm like, God did that for me. In fact, I was talking to it. We went to lunch and I was telling him, I said, yeah. I said, when I went to, went to Bible college, man, I just, I made some wrong turns here and there and I said man I didn't want to make any more wrong turns I said I made out a list I put on my list God this is what I want in a woman you might say are you serious yeah I am dead serious the first things I put on my list was the spiritual attributes this is the kind of woman that I want and then obviously you know it can't just be all spiritual it's got you know you got to like what the way they look you know I said okay God now this is what I want her to look like his well and so he delivered to her or delivered me to her she thought I was a little weird at first, but she, got, she warmed up to me. <laughs> right? And it's, it's been an, an amazing journey because of the blessing of the Lord. God wants to bless us and increase us. Can somebody say amen? amen. So I want to ask you the question, what do you value? This Christmas season, as, we've end this, as we end this year, what has this year looked like? What have you valued? And I ask that question because I realize that in the church as a whole, our church, there are people that struggle with what they value. They struggle with how they look at Jesus and how they place value on him. 
And to some degree, struggle is good. Because struggle will cause you to pay attention to your surroundings. And it will cause you to take note of the things that maybe you just aren't contented with or would like to see changed. And if we struggle long enough, it can create an energy within us and a desire to see a different landscape in our life. But here's the danger. As we feel the struggle, as we see in our stirred in our heart to say, God, there's got to be more. It's so easy to step back into what is comfortable. I said it's easy to fall back into old patterns. Why? Because we can talk ourselves into things. We can tell ourselves stories. We can uh, begin to elaborate on the situation and talk ourselves into justifying where we're at. But God wants us to get to a place where the struggle begins to motivate us. To make some changes. To see things in a different value system. Amen. God wants us to put Him as a high priority in our life. And when we begin to do that, He begins to visit us. And we'll experience Him in a new way. As I said, I know that there's many that struggle right now with their values. Now, it's important for you to hear that. And, that, and me sharing that, that's not being difficult. Or that's not me being confrontational with y'all. It's just truth. I know we live in a culture that everybody says, well, just tell me what I want to hear. Just make me feel comfortable. Let me come and go as I please. Don't hold me accountable. But if I didn't challenge you as a pastor, I wouldn't be doing my job. Right? And for that matter, the Apostle Paul was very forthright in his challenges to the church. And I dare say that if we talked as strong as the Apostle Paul did to the church of that day, we would empty out our churches. But I think that there is coming a strong disposition on the church where we as a people have strong backbones and have ears to hear and hearts to receive. Why? Because the value system is coming to a higher place. And we're desiring to go to a higher place. And we're desiring to experience the move of God in our life. Amen. I want to bring you to your attention something that the Apostle Paul said to the church. And it's found over in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11. He was talking to them about some things and had been admonishing them. But he goes on to say this in verse 11. He says, there's much more that I would like to say about this. He says, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. In other words, this is what he's saying. He says, you know, I've been talking to you about some things and there's more that I want to talk to you about. There's more things that God wants you to experience. There's more things that God wants to reveal to you. There's more of God. But I, I just, I can't go there. Because right now, spiritually, you're dull. Do you understand what it means by being dull? It means that you're just not there. You're not mature enough. You're not ready to hear the things that God actually wants you to hear. And he says, in fact, I've been talking to you and you just don't seem to listen. Amen. How many of you 
have gotten frustrated with your kids. <laughs> and you're like, hey, they don't seem like they want to listen. You know, we just kind of had that this morning. All right, everybody, time to get out of bed. Yeah, they just stay there. Mom comes back around and mom says, all right, I'm pulling the covers off. I come back around, covers are back on. And now, all of a sudden, <laughs> well, we'll just leave that for another time. <laughs> well, what's the point? You say and you say and you say and you say, and you're just like, dear God, how many times do I have to tell you? You just don't seem like you want to listen to what I'm saying. And you get frustrated. And some of it is, is because part of it is you want the best for their life. And they're just not hearing. They're not listening. How do you think it feels as a pastor when it's like, I'm trying to talk and share and teach. You just don't listen. <laughs> That's what Paul's saying. He's like, I, I want the best for you. But it just, you don't seem like you're listening. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, he says, you've been believers so long now. That you ought to be teaching others. He said, instead, you need somebody to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. It's interesting that he says you've been a Christian for so long. And you've been a Christian so long that you ought to be helping others grow in their relationship with God. You ought to be teachers. But I got to teach you the simple things again. And he said, and really, it's just because you're spiritual babies. How many of you understand that God wants us to grow up? Amen. I don't know about you. I love seeing my kids be babies. And there was the season that I loved them being babies. But there came a time where I'm like, can you not grow up yet? I'm ready for you to grow up. I'm ready for me to not to have to change your diapers no more. Right? I'm done with this. I can still remember the last box of diapers and the last box of wet wipes we bought. It's like, whoo, happy day. Yeah. Right? Well, so God's wanting us to grow up. And it's not a bad thing. He's wanting us to grow and wanting us to develop. But unfortunately, some of us just want enough spiritual salve that will make our soul feel good so that we know that we're not going to hell. But when it comes to growing up, just leave me alone. I want to do my thing. I don't want to do What's right? What's God wanting us to do? He's wanting us to grow. He's wanting us to experience God's best. Now, I'm going to say something here, but as I say this, I put myself at the front of the list. Let me just ask a question real quick. I pretty much was raised in church and I can, don't remember the, the, the day, but I know that I gave my heart to Jesus at a very young age, maybe around the age of seven. So I've been walking with Jesus for at least 45 years. Anybody in here 
been walking with Jesus more than 45 years? Raise your hand. All right. Couple. How many have been walking with Jesus over 50 years? Raise your hand. How about 60 years? Anybody been walking with Jesus over 60 years? All right. So there's only been a couple in here that have actually been walking with Jesus longer than I have. And for that matter, I've been in ministry for really 30 years now. And so we have been walking with Jesus for so long, but have done so little. We have been in church for so long, but we've reproduced so little. And as I said, I'm not pointing a finger at anybody else but me first. Isn't it a shame that there's been people that have been walking with Jesus, have been a Christian for five years, ten years, but have never led somebody to Jesus? There's people that have been walking with God for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and have never discipled anybody in their walk with Jesus. We've just gotten fat and happy and just coasted along and missed out on moves of God because... Well, somebody else will do it when God says, I need you to grow. I need you to experience me. I need you to be fulfilled as you purpose to fulfill the plan called God on your life. Isn't it a shame that we believe that Jesus is the healer, but yet we see so many sick, sick people or people that are in our family that are, that are sick and dying, but yet we're afraid to say, can I pray for you? Because I believe that Jesus is the healer. What if we dare to believe to say, let me just pray for you and let God show up and show off. Come on, you think that would turn somebody off if their cancer disappeared? You think somebody would get offended with you if all of a sudden their marriage was restored because you said, can I pray for you? Amen. Amen. But as I said, we as a people, we have done so little. Well, why? Why have we done so little, but yet have walked with Jesus for so long? Maybe it's that we can relate to Herod more than we want to really admit. Maybe we value things the way Herod valued the Christmas story. And that is, is that when we think about serving God, it troubles us. Because we think that we have to give up. We think that we have to surrender. We think that we have to lose out. It threatens our well-being. That's such a lie. And here's what I want you to see as well. Those that were in Jerusalem, it says that they were troubled with their leader or their king Herod. They were troubled because it challenged their livelihood or their lifestyle. But if you recall last week, we said that as a result of that troubled nature of the king, he said, since the wise men didn't report to me as to where Jesus was so that I could kill him, we're just going to take one big final swoop and we'll just, we'll figure we'll catch him one way or another. And it says that all the boys two years and younger were killed. When we allow ourselves to think that serving God is troublesome, what does it do? It affects the next generation. King Herod destroyed the next generation. There was not a next generation because he killed 
all the boys. You think that your kids are going to serve God, follow God, seek God? Let me ask you, what's your value system? Because concerning them, their value system calls them to not have a next generation to seek God. You see, there's such a responsibility as us as moms and dads. I want my children to know who God is. Let me just share this with you. Just to help challenge you as moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas for that matter. A couple months ago, we had the privilege of uh, ministering to the youth. My wife and I, we met with the kids and we had a bonfire and did uh, some s'mores. And then we just had the opportunity to minister to the kids. And one of the things that I got to talking to them, I mean, here they are teenagers. And I think that we just do a disservice to our teenagers just, just for them just to, you know, go through the motions or not, not to help challenge them to have a personal relationship with God. And I, I brought to their attention, I said, you know, I, I was, uh, 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 grew up in Clio. And if you remember a few years back, there was a story in the headlines that there were some teenage boys from Clio that threw a rock off of an overpass, went through the windshield of an oncoming car, and it killed the passenger. Do you remember that storyline? And so, in fact, uh, my son played uh, football a couple years back, and the father of one of those boys had a son that was playing. And that father sat all by himself. And I guarantee you the, way, the reason why he sat by himself all the time, rather than sitting with the congregation of parents was because he was that dad. His boy was that boy. And I met my heart went out to him. I went over and talked to him. I said, man, whatever I can do for you, bud. I said, I'm always here for you. If you just need to talk. I said, if you need somebody to pray with you or for you. I said, just let me know. Because so I went to high school with him. But I said to the teenagers, I said, I said, there are these young boys that just out of a stupid act, and you know how teenagers, they, they don't think of consequences. Their, their, their brain power isn't matured enough to really think two steps ahead. Did something stupid. But yet these children, teenagers, went and stood before a judge and they were judged accountable and were ruled on as adults. Not as juveniles, as adults. And so I said to our teenagers, I said, if those teenage boys, which are the same age as you, if they can stand before a judge and be held accountable as an adult of knowing right or wrong, if you at this age stand before God, God being a righteous judge is going to count, uh, hold you accountable for knowing right or wrong. So that means your children, if they're teenagers, it's time that they come into a personal relationship with God. Amen. But then I continued as we were talking about that. I asked the question, and I, I, I so love their honesty. I said to the teenagers, I said, when it comes to serving God, I said, does it seem hard? Does it seem like work? And one of the teenagers said, yeah, seems hard. It does seem like work. Isn't it interesting that a teenager that has not experienced much of life thinks that serving God is hard. How do they have that opinion? How do they have or come to the conclusion that serving God is difficult? It's only come because 
there was an example that has a value system that says walking with Jesus is hard. It's work. But didn't you know that the scripture says, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Why have we gotten this idea that walking with Jesus is difficult? He's the anointed one. And his anointing destroys the yoke and removes the burden. But yet, walking with Jesus has become a burden. Something's wrong with that picture. I want to give you an example because I was thinking about this last night as I was getting ready and going over my notes. I want to invite the, the teenager girls. Can you come up here for a moment? Just come on. Yeah, just, man, they're, they're just good-looking girls, aren't they? Why don't you come up here? In fact, come over here on this side. Line up for me right across here. All right, as, as, you, as you do that, I'm going to give you some things here, all right? Excuse me as I get some of my props. All right, I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you that. Hang on, I got something for you as well. I'm going to give you that. All right, so... Here's the experiences of life. Here's this little stick. It represents the challenges that we experience in life. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you just to take that knife and I want you to just cut that in half for me, if you will. Can you, just, can you cut it in half? Well, use the right side of the knife. It might, might cut you instead of the thing. There you go. Can you cut that? Well, at the rate you're going, man, it will take all day, man. How's it working? Is it working very easy? Is it hard? It is hard. Okay. All right, well, you got some bigger utensils there. Why don't you... Come on, cut it. You can't do it? Is it hard? Man, I'm telling you. All right. Here, I want you to take yours. Will you cut that? Wow. All right. So think of the example. We have told or modeled our value system in front of people, our children, and somehow they've gotten the idea that serving God is hard. Well, why? Because we've been trying to live life with this little pocket knife addressing the things of life, and it's hard. Well, that's not the tools that God gave us. He gave us the anointing that destroys the yoke and removes the burden. And the only reason why she's trying to use a little knife, and again, I'm just using her as the example, is because somehow she's learned that it's hard. Well, then I went over to this person. This, this one, she's had a little more church in her life, knows a little bit more. She's got some bigger tools, but she discovered that it was hard as well. And it's, again, it's just a little tiny stick. But now there's somebody on the end that had some tools. And it cut it like butter. Well, why? Because the anointing is the lever or what gives you leverage to face anything that the enemy throws your, at your life and causes you to be victorious. And therefore, whatever comes, you can overcome it. Amen. Amen. And this little stick is simply the normal affairs of life, everyday life. But God's given us the tools have success now here's what I want you to do 
Y'all growing together, learning together, having friendships together. As a result, let me have that before you cut your finger off. <laughs> now this one really cut your finger off, so be careful. So over time, she was trying to cut the sticks with just a little pocket knife. But man, she learned that, man, there's a move of God. And I don't have to face it alone because Jesus, the Christ of Christmas, is the anointed one. And his anointing destroys the yoke, removes the burdens. And so therefore, now she's got some new tools in her hands. But now she doesn't just experience or just face a, a little twig in her life. Man, the things that she's facing in her life, man, it looks big. It looks hard. It looks difficult. And Lord knows that walking with Jesus is hard. And it takes work. But... When you allow God's anointing to carry you through, when you allow a move of God to come into your life, it don't matter how big things look. It don't matter how big the storm is. It don't matter how big the mountain is. You're thinking, oh, dear God, it cut that little one like butter. Well, let's just see what that thing does with this big one. You'll have to grab out on the ends there. There you go. Listen, she couldn't even cut this little one to begin with. I mean, she'd have been there all day long, toiling and struggling and di having difficulty and never have the victory over it. But she learned a couple things, got some new tools, and she faced something bigger than the first thing and didn't even phase her a minute. Amen. Amen. Hey, can you give these girls a big hand? Thank you, thank you. You can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you, dear. Appreciate that. Come on, is this making sense? Is this resonating with you this morning? Amen. Listen, if you're here today and you're thinking walking with Jesus is cramping your style, listen, it is not a cramp to your style. It is a pep in your step. Because there is an anointing, there is a freedom, there is a liberty that we have when it comes to walking with Jesus. And once again, when, when it comes to the hardships of life, I'm convinced that, that the people of God have become just wimpy, mamby-pamby pushovers. Because dear God, if we get a hangnail, I'm laying down squalling and bawling. But dear God, if I got to go to work, well, I got to get a paycheck. So you know what? I, if I got a hangnail, if I got a toe cut off, I'm going to work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm a little tired, so I don't think I'm going to go to church tomorrow. But you know what? I'll plan six months ahead for my two-week vacation. Man, I've been real tired. But you know what? I ain't missing my vacation. What's your value system? I said, what's your value system? There is the anointing and the move of God that God wants you to experience so that you can go through this life enjoying the blessings of life and living in victory. And that's the season that we're coming into. If you'll hang with me, if you'll hook up with me, if you'll jump in, there's things that are turning. Now, I'll forewarn you. This ain't Mamby Pamby Church no more. Come on. This isn't just giving you milk every Sunday. It's time to get a little solid food. Why? Because there's work to be done. There's people that are going to hell. And God wants us to change the landscape of this community. Amen? Will you stand with me?
Did you do all right this morning? Amen. Amen. You know that God loves you. I don't know about you, but God's been stirring some things on the inside of my heart to pursue Him more. As I've said to you before, or the beginning of the message, I said, I know that there are people that are struggling with their values. I want to just encourage you, just lean into God. He won't disappoint you. He won't ask too much of you. He'll lead you along the way. And you'll say, oh, it's so good to know Him. I want to just encourage you. Let's do it together. Because if we'll grow together, do life together, grow in our faith together, when there's those times where it seems like the obstacles are too big, we can tackle it together. We can help each other. Amen? Let's experience the best that Christmas has to offer. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person that is in this place. I thank you, Father, that we, we are being spiritually challenged. Our eyes are being opened. Our hearts are being stored. Lord, I thank you that we are endeavoring to step out into areas of unknown, willing to trust you, willing to follow you, willing to discover the move of God for our marriage, for our families, for our money, for our ministries. God, I thank you that there is a move of God that we will partake of. And it will be heaven on earth. We thank you in advance and give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Well, listen, we have church prayer this week. Remember, Christmas Eve service on the 24th. The following week, we will not have church prayer. So, God bless you. If you're having Christmas parties, family, enjoy yourself. Give them Jesus. We'll see you next time. Well, that's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.